What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He was Nixon's fucking... White House counsel or Nixon under Watergate. The guy went to prison. He ratted everybody out. And then he's on Fox News all the time, like... And former White House counsels here to talk about the Trump investigations. Like you don't, you're supposed to say that he went to jail for Watergate. They don't even tell you that. Like the guy's some kind of a fucking genius. He's just another rat, another DC rat, or ratted everybody out. Remember having conversations with G. Gordon Liddy about this fucking guy. And he would just shake his head. <laughs> he would just shake his head. This fucking guy. This whole group of rats. Say what you want about G. Gordon Liddy, but you can rat anybody out. <laughs> anyway, sound like Howard Dean. We're going to go to San Diego and take your stove. We're going to go to Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle, then New York City. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> you know, we were able to break through to some folks in New York and... Uh, in some other states, who have fucking up and left. California, specifically. And they said, we're out of here. We're listening to what you said. Maybe we can find new beginnings, or better beginnings, in some new location. And yes, it's a pain in the fucking ass to up and skedaddle, but a lot more people are looking at it, believe me. <sighs> when you look at what's behind California's skyrocketing natural gas bills, and uh, we talked about it a week and a half ago, I believe. The Californians are expecting skyrocketing natural gas bills that start this month. And uh, they're going to try to blame it all on the weather. Of course, it's more complicated than that. Natural gas and oil. We have to wade our way into these things in 2023. I'd like to focus on that. Of course, I've talked about that. More on that later. Full stories on pain.tv. I'm zipping through things because we've gone long on other stuff and we have more. I want you to watch a World Economic Forum video at the end and also because it's like fucking scary. It's scary. Uh, and, you know, the crew here doesn't get too concerned and too freaked out by much, but that is in the category of wait a second. These guys are for real. A few other stories on pain.tv. Anything that uh, jumps out at me. Yeah, there's a few other things. Some of the stuff, much of the stuff we've already covered. So you know me, I don't go back and I don't redo stuff if we've broken something or talked about it months ago. Maybe I'll just do a quick recap. But uh, I like it when Papa's got a brand new bag. That's what I like. I don't like talking about the old bags. Yeah. 
<laughs> Unless it's Maxine Waters or something. Pelosi. Somebody like that. They'll talk about those old bags. Ain't no drag. Papa's got a brand new bag. Well, we got those videos for you at the end of the show. Let's just fucking rock and roll. We'll get you there. If you want to benefit the show and my uh, psychological rehabilitation after this show, <laughs> you can do so pain.tv slash donate. I'm joking, of course. I'm completely sane. I'm just fucking pissed off all the time. It's like everything our fucking forefathers, foremothers, ancestors built. They want to take it all. And people are just sitting around. Not you folks. The people we're up against just sitting around. Everything. All the sweat equity, all the saving, all the scrimping, all the fucking blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, so pardon me for giving a shit. Pardon me for giving a shit. Folks can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to benefit the show, tell other people about us. That's how we grow, man. That's our bread and butter. I know I don't say that enough. I'll try to say it. The show starts and it's just off to the races. There's stuff that the young bucks always say. You got to say this more, right? You got to tell people, hey, man, join pain.tv. Join Hotwire. Another Hotwire coming. We're going to go Tuesday night on Hotwire. Tuesday night. Very interesting. Top tier. Stick around for that. Try to. Talk about many different things. Money, specifically, where things are going this year. Uh, and we've did a pretty good job in 2022 of mapping out so far what's happened in 2023 and what happened the rest of 2022. So we'll keep that hot streak alive, telling you what's happening. Staying ahead of the curve. We pledge to keep you ahead of the curve for as long as we're doing that. That's my pledge. And yes, I bitch about people fucking not giving us our due. Okay, that's only because I want to reach more people, man. That's all it's about. That's all it's about. And they not only just, they take what we say, but they don't even say everything we say. They leave out all the good stuff because they want to keep people in the dark. It's like, look, if you're going to steal from us, take it fucking all. Tell people the entire truth. No, they water it down. They water it down. Fucks up the playing field even more. Screws things up. When you don't have the truth, you can't make good decisions. Plain and simple. Video. Boom. World Economic Forum. Lunatics. <laughs> Talking about what they want to do to your brain. This is way worse than what Elon Musk wants to do. Put a chip in your head. <laughs> this is fucking outer bounds. And then... Continuation of our talk with Tony the Cop. Some music at the end, and we out. Take care. God bless you. Hello, everybody. I'm Nicholas Thompson. I'm the CEO of The Atlantic, and I will be your moderator today. We are going to have an incredible session. Star of the show is Nita Farahani. She's a futurist and legal ethicist at Duke, and she's so smart and so interesting. You're going to learn a ton. This is how it's going to work. We're going to watch a short video. She's going to come on stage and talk. And then we're going to do a little Q&A, questions from the audience. And that'll be a wrap. And you'll leave enlightened and excited. So first off, a video. Uh, it's going to make you see the future and understand a wonderful future where we can use brainwaves to fight crime, be more productive, and find love. Let's roll.
You're in the zone. Even you can't believe how productive you've been. Your memo is finished. Your inbox is under control. And you're feeling sharper than you have in a decade. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song. Sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. You glance at the program running in the background on your computer screen and notice a now familiar sight that appears whenever you're overloaded with pleasure, your theta brainwave activity decreasing in the temporal regions of your brain. You mentally move the cursor to the left and scroll through your brain data over the past few hours. You can see your stress levels rising as the deadline to finish your memo approached causing a peak in your beta brainwave activity right before an alert popped up, telling you to take a brain break. But what's that unusual change in your brain activity when you're asleep? It started earlier in the month. You send a text message to your doctor with a mental swipe of your cursor. Could you take a quick look at my brain data? Anything to worry about? Your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance. But you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that day congratulates you on your brain metrics from the past quarter, which have earned you another performance bonus. You head home, jamming to the music, with your work-issued brain-sensing earbuds still in. When you arrive at work the next day, a somber cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year, they have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his co-conspirators. You discover they are looking for synchronized brain activity between your coworker and the people he has been working with. While you know you're innocent of any crime, you've been secretly working with him on a new startup venture. Shaking, you remove your earbuds. What do you think? Is it a future you're ready for? You may be surprised to learn that it's a future that has already arrived. Everything in that video that you just saw is based on technology that is already here today. Artificial intelligence has enabled advances in decoding brain activity in ways that we never before thought possible. You've heard a lot about AI over the past few years. Here at Davos, it's been the talk of the hour. But I want to talk about it in a different way, which is the ability to decode brainwave activity. After all, what you think, what you feel, it's all just data. Data that in large patterns can be decoded using artificial intelligence. Consider this, the average person thinks thousands of thoughts each day. As a thought takes form, like, a math calculation, you're happy, you're tired, you're hungry, you're elated. Neurons are firing in your brain, emitting tiny electrical discharges. As a particular thought takes form, hundreds of thousands of neurons fire in characteristic patterns that can be decoded with EEG, or electroencephalography, and AI 
powered devices. In fact, what you're seeing here is my brain activity while I'm wearing a simple device like the one on the right. We're not talking about implanted devices of the future. I'm talking about wearable devices that are like Fitbits for your brain. It used to be that there was very little we could tell from EEG activity. But already, using consumer wearable devices, these are headbands, uh, hats that have sensors that can pick up your brainwave activity, earbuds, headphones, tiny tattoos that you can wear behind your ear. We can pick up emotional states, like are you happy or sad or angry? We can pick up and decode faces that you're seeing in your mind. Simple shapes, numbers, your PIN number to your bank account. It's not just your brain activity here that we can pick up. We can also pick up your brain activity in different places, like as your neurons fire from your brain down your arm and send signals to your hand to tell you how to type, move. All of that can be decoded through electromyography, and that's what you're seeing here is a device now in the form of a simple wearable watch that can pick up that activity. And one of the pivotal acquisitions of the field, Meta acquired this company, Control Labs, in 2019 because major tech companies are investing in helping to make these devices universally applicable as the way in which we interact with the rest of our technology. In fact, the coming future, and I mean near-term future, is these devices being the primary way in which we interact with all of the rest of our technology. Rather than a mouse or a keyboard, you can simply swipe with your mind, move your hand more seamlessly when you're in VR or AR, use your brain as the way in which you interact with all of the rest of your technology, which is an exciting and promising future, but also a potentially scary one, a transformative one, one that will change the way that we interact with other people, and even how we understand ourselves. Let's take a look. Because it opens up new and dynamic forms of control. This is where some of our core technologies like EMG come into play. Neural interfaces, when they work right, and we still have a lot of work to go here, feel like magic. So if you send a control to your muscle saying, I want to move my finger, it starts in your brain, it goes down your spine through motor neurons, and this is an electrical signal. So you should be able to grab that electrical signal on the muscle and say, oh, okay, the user wants to move the finger. What is it like to feel like pushing a button without actually pushing it? And that could be as simple as, hey, I just want to move this cursor up or move it left. Well, normally I would do that by actually moving. But here, you're able to move that cursor left. And it's because you and a machine agreed which neurons mean left and which neurons mean right. You're in this constant conversation with the machine. This new form of control, it requires us to build an interface that adapts to you and your environment. It's an exciting future, a seamless future. It's a future that has already arrived in many contexts throughout the world, and especially in workplaces. So it turns out that one of the most compelling early applications of this technology is to be able to decode at least some simple effective states of individuals that can potentially improve their well-being, potentially improve productivity, but certainly transform what our lives look like in the workplace and in our everyday activities. While we can't literally decode complex thought just yet, 
There's a lot that we can already decode that's quite relevant. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For the workplace environment. Consider the fact that right now, many workplaces have individuals who have to be awake and alert at all times in order to do their jobs well. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Take this example where this trucker decided to take a 20-hour shot for a 1,500-mile ride, well exceeding the amount of time that any trucker, long-haul trucker, is supposed to drive. We have a hot wire coming up. If you don't belong to Paint.tv and Hotwire, you're going to want to. Uh, the, the next episode, as we talked about focusing on your stocks and bonds and and securities or any investments you may have or may plan to have in this volatile situation, environment, chaotic, turbulent landscape. And so we're going to focus on that. But beyond that, folks have inquired, believe it or not, the kind folks who listen to us, how they can help out around here. Well, if you join pain.tv, that certainly helps. But in Hotwire, of course. Other folks who want to kick in can do it on pain.tv slash donate. And, of course, we talked about this on a regular basis. You can leave a, a review on Apple Podcasts. The young folks say that helps. Plain and simple. And share this show with friends of yours and help spread the word so we can keep growing. That's the name of the game. We have to keep growing. We grow organically. We grow grassroots, we grow from word of mouth, and we appreciate you using your words and your mouth to help spread the word about the Thomas Paine podcast. And it's uh, tough sledding these days for truth tellers, it really is. And so we, we have embraced that, just like we have many of the challenges since we came back into journalism and remained independent regardless of uh, so many different Trap doors and facets and and uh, challenges and obstacles and roadblocks. Just with a simple mission to have a show where you can tell the truth. And a number of different shows, and we've done that. But it's getting harder for us, so. You know the drill, folks. <laughs> There's a lot of things being bandied around here about whether this show goes behind a paywall or not. So um, and I've been very open about that. There's no secret. It's not something we want to do, but 
Our hand might be forced, but for now, that's not happening. And I don't ask for much, uh, but I'm asking you perhaps to get some skin in the game. And you're going to get something out of it, of course, especially if you join Pain.TV. Especially Hotwire, where we say things on there and talk about things on there that we certainly can't say on here any longer on the public side. And that has turned out to be a massive windfall and benefit for folks. And I wish I could play those episodes on here, but I can't. We appreciate your support. If you want to broaden your horizons, intellectually, make contacts, learn, and perhaps teach other smart people, that's the place to help out and make sure we keep rolling, rolling along, (laughs) regardless of what roadblocks these folks put in front of us. Uh, With your help, we can overcome. And with your support, we certainly have endured. Appreciate it. Take care. His employer didn't discover his choices until the fatal accident that was disastrous for the company and cost many lives. But he could have known much sooner. He could have detected whether or not the trucker was entering into the earliest stages of microsleep, starting to go from being alert to tired well before it occurred. And he could have done so through a simple hat, a simple wearable hat that has embedded electrode sensors that would pick up brainwave activity and give a score between one to five to help the employer and the employee know what stage of alertness the person was experiencing and whether or not they were starting to fall asleep. Now you might think, okay, we have driver assist technology in cars already, why do we need this? It's because this happens much sooner much more accurately, and it gives you the real-time information that you need in order to make choices to intervene before a person is perilously exhausted. And we as a society should want that. We should want a technology that enables us to be safer, to all be able to exist in an environment where commercial drivers or individuals who need to be wide awake are wide awake when they're supposed to be. Because when they're not, the consequences are disastrous. While plane crashes are much less frequent than other forms of accidents, at least 16 plane crashes in the past decade have been attributed to pilot fatigue. Which is probably why in more than 5,000 companies across the world, employees are already having their brainwave activity monitored to test for their fatigue levels. Whether it's the Beijing-Shanghai line, where train conductors are required to wear hats that have sensors that pick up their brain activity, or mining companies throughout the world, employees are already having their brain activity monitored, and it, may wear, it very well may be something that we want to embrace as a society. Okay, you might be shuddering, right? That was certainly my first reaction when I discovered that we are tracking brainwave activity in the workplace and that we can do it at all. But I believe we need to have a much more nuanced conversation about it. Because I think done well, neurotechnology has extraordinary promise. Done poorly, it could become the most oppressive technology we've ever introduced in a wide scale across society. We still have the chance to make it right. All right, well does the same analysis hold true if instead of trying to monitor whether a person is falling asleep or awake, We decide that we want to monitor their attention levels to see whether or not they're paying attention and being productive. I would argue, maybe not. How many of you wear something like an Apple Watch? Fitbit, smart device? Yeah, many people. It's a many billion dollar company. I mean, many billion dollar industry at this point. Wearable devices, quantifiable self is just a widespread movement. Most people are very comfortable 
with at least some forms of human quantification. In fact, it's become so widespread that most people feel like there's not that much to worry about when it comes to doing something like monitoring your heart rate. But it turns out that that kind of technology in the workplace, particularly when it's used to monitor productivity of employees, where they're moving throughout the factory floor, whether or not they're taking breaks or unscheduled breaks, is the kind of thing that employees resist, unionize against, rise up against, and undermines morale. What we've seen consistently is companies from Amazon to Tesco to Walmart and others have introduced what is considered to be bossware or surveillance technology that employees really don't like it even if it makes their lives better. Okay, well, if you don't like your job, just quit. But what if there's nowhere to go? What if everywhere has ubiquitous monitoring? In fact, during the pandemic, what we found was that 80% of companies admitted that they use at least some forms of so-called bossware technology to monitor the productivity of their employees. Whether it's a white-collar uh, employee monitoring what's on their screen or in any other context, surveillance is part of our everyday lives. Surveillance for productivity is part of what has become the norm in the workplace. And maybe with good reason. Nine out of 10 employees waste time during the workday. They focus on other things. There may be good reasons why we want to be able to find better ways to monitor whether somebody is paying attention or they're doing something different. The newest way to monitor attention is through a device like this one. These are ear pods that are launching later this year. These ear pods, much like the video you watched earlier, are ear pods that can pick up brainwave activity and tell whether or not a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering. Okay, well you might think, fine, but even if we can tell whether a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering, you can't tell what they're paying attention to. You would be wrong. It turns out that you can not only tell whether a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering, but you can discriminate between the kinds of things that they're paying attention to. Whether they're doing something like central tasks, like programming, peripheral tasks, like writing documentation, or unrelated tasks, like surfing social media or online browsing. When you combine brainwave activity together with other forms of software and surveillance technology, the power becomes quite precise. So what do we do with this? What do we do with technology that enables us to monitor brainwave activity for attention? Do we embrace it? Do we resist it? I believe that there is a pathway forward with such technology, but it's putting it in the hands of employees, enabling them to use it for themselves as a choice, whether or not they want to focus, whether or not they want the technology in order to improve their own performance, but not using it as a measure of their brain metrics to decide whether to fire them, hire them, or to watch for their lagging cognitive decline over time and using it as a way to discriminate against them. We might soon even use the technology to help people wake back up. This is a haptic scarf that MIT Media Lab has developed, which uses brainwave technology in a responsive way to give a person a little buzz, <laughs> literally, when their mind starts to wander to help them refocus and hone their attention. There's another pathway forward with this technology which I find to actually be quite exciting 
and something that I think companies should be experimenting with. And that is the use of the technology to make the workplace a more responsive workplace to the individual worker. We've all heard the whole idea that robots are coming for our jobs, that there will be no jobs left for humans. With generative AI, I think we have good reason to wonder how we're going to integrate that in ways that keep us relevant and challenged and important uh, in the workplace. But there's a different pathway forward, which is a responsive workplace. One where humans and robots and AI work seamlessly together in order to optimize a better and healthier workplace. In one experiment, Penn State researchers were able to show that by monitoring brainwave activity with AI in a factory setting, the robot could sense stress levels in the individual and change the speed with which they were giving tasks to the human, calibrating it so that rather than suffering from cognitive overload, it would bring it to levels of cognitive load. This idea of cognitive ergonomics is what I think is the future of the healthier workplace, a place that adapts to our abilities, slows down when we need to slow down, and helps us to reset so that we don't suffer from endless cycles of stress. In fact, Microsoft recently did a study on uh, employees during the pandemic. Using brainwave activity, they were able to discover a couple of interesting insights. One is Zoom-based or other video-based meetings are more tiring for our brains than in-person conversations. And this is because of misaligned gaze, because of also the way we've scheduled it. People do back-to-back -back meetings where you have five-minute breaks in between. They also discovered something else that's quite interesting, which is that the different backgrounds for each person is also more stressful for the brain. So they introduced together mode, which has the same shared background for each of the, employee, each of the people who are on the screen, which brings down stress levels, all responsive to brainwave activity. These are innovations that can make our lives better. So what's the pathway forward? In some ways and in some contexts, surveillance of the human brain can be powerful, helpful, useful, transform the workplace and make our lives better. It also has a dystopian possibility of being used to exploit and bring to the surface our most secret self. It threatens fundamentally what our own self-identity is in some ways and threatens to become a tool of oppression. But we can make a choice. We can make a choice to use it well. We can make a choice to have it be something that empowers individuals, that helps them gain insights into their own mental health and well-being, improves their own productivity and wellness, and sets them on a pathway where, like quantifying your heart rate or other kinds of health, it can be something that unlocks potential for humanity. We can't decode speech, and we may never decode full thoughts from the brain using simple wearable devices. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a lot we can already decode. There isn't a lot that we will not be able to decode in the coming days. As AI becomes more powerful, as the sensors become more powerful, more and more of what's in the brain will become transparent. I believe we have to start by recognizing a right to cognitive liberty. This is a right to self-determination over our brains and mental experiences. It requires that we update existing international human rights, like freedom of thoughts, mental privacy, and self-determination over our own mental experiences. But that's not enough. 
We have to do more, and corporations have to adopt best practices for the implementation of this technology. That requires being transparent about what data is being collected and for what purposes. Focusing on positive uses for employees to improve their workplace productivity, increase safety, and decrease the burdens on individuals. We also have to be mindful of the changing landscape of biometric laws as this information becomes part of the workplace environment and decide to move forward in a way that is best for humanity using the technologies and ways that enable us on a pathway forward rather than oppress us. I think that's a possibility we can still choose. I hope it's one that you'll join me in choosing. Wow. I was monitoring all of your brainwaves and I could tell that you were all engaged, though most of you were scared out of your socks. Okay. <laughs> is there any possibility, one of the things that's interesting, is there any possibility that this technology could work while not actually touching your skin? Right? Like right now you have to make a choice to put on a headset or a hat or something in your ears. Is it possible that the wife could have it in the ceiling? Um, no. Uh, not for brainwave technology, but it is possible to disrupt brainwaves remotely. Mm -hmm. So uh, there, you know, if you've heard of Havana syndrome, Havana syndrome is a belief that people have suffered from the leading theory is that it's targeted microwave activity of brains to disrupt brainwave activity. There's no proof of it yet, but there's at least a couple dozen cases where there isn't a good explanation for why the individual suffered from disruption of mental abilities. And there's certainly a lot of investment in trying to figure out whether you could target the brain remotely. It's much more difficult to figure out how you could read the brain remotely. Let's get to that, because I think it's one of the most important and crucial questions about how this develops. And by the way, raise your hands. I'm just going to ask this question, and then we'll move to the audience. You, you talked at the end. In the beginning, you said we won't be able to read complex thoughts. It seems as though we can understand emotions. There's some way you can recreate some images inside your head. Where does this, explain where we'll be in one year, where we'll be in five years, and where you would estimate we'd be in 10 years in the complexity of thought and emotional understanding that you can have from sophisticated brainwave readers? So, you know, I'm, I am a futurist. I'm not a perfect predictor of the future, but I'll give you my one year, five year, 10 year. So, focusing in the world of wearable technology as opposed to implanted technology, and I do believe that within many of our lifetimes, we'll see healthy people using implanted brain technology as well then we can decode complex thought. But wearable brain technology, I think in one year, we will be largely where we are now, but with much better form factor technology. Yeah. So many companies are launching these earbuds and headphones this year that have sensors that are built in. One of the things that has limited the widespread adoption of the technology until now has been that you have to wear something like across your forehead. Most of us aren't going to do that. But when it's the same device that you're using to take calls from and also to listen to music from that also is picking up brainwave activity, it's integrated into your everyday life. 